Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Woo! We also have Bill Graham. I love tea. You love tea? Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Uh, We also have a special guest with us here today to talk about Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy it's our benevolent lord and master, our blam, Jordan Rout. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Brian. I was very happy when I got this invite, so I'm glad I was uh, accepted to be as a guest. So, thank I you mean, you wouldn't shut the fuck up about how much you loved this movie. So when time came for <laughs> well, us to spoilers, talk about it, would have been for, mean yeah. if we did it, right? In, in fact, in <laughs> fact, did we tell him what our original thought process was? I don't know it. No. Okay. So it was funny because we were talking about it's like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get someone. Like the timing is going to be really weird. And then someone said, what if we got Dan Mecca? (laughs) And I said, whoa, wait a second. If we're going inside the film stage family, it seems like abjectly cruel to be like, Jordan, Jordan, you keep talking about how fucking much you love this movie. Do you think Dan would be down to talk about it on the <laughs> podcast? Oh man, that's like well, when well. you are like in love with your best friend, and they're like about to declare their love for you when you realize they're just in love with somebody else. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Or they love your yeah. dog. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Wait, what? I'm anti dogs. Oh, okay. Um, I'm anti people being in love with dogs, so <laughs> I'm sure that that's going to become a cancelable opinion in two years. But for now, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> oh boy, you're one of the slippery slopers, aren't you? It's. I mean, l- like you can't look at the world and not think that there's a slippery slope. I just don't think it's ever going to get to dogs. But you know, who knows? Who knows? I never watched that documentary Zoo. Have you seen the Mr. Hands video? Uh, no. No, I haven't. Is that... Don't... You know what? I'm going to swiftly move past this because I don't want to know about it. Hmm. Oh, fuck. Now I really want to know about it. You know what, Robin? We will talk off mic about what the hell that means. <laughs> it, it definitely seems like an off mic conversation. Yeah, I don't feel... we Like, we... Jordan, beautiful, innocent Jordan Raup uh, said we could try to keep this to recording to an hour. And I feel like we can't talk about that Mr. sweet Hands summer child. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, anyway, so speaking of which, uh, let's let's do the usual upfront stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook the Film Stage Show. You can e- uh, email us podcastfilmstage.com. and of course you can give us a comment and rating on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. And you can become a patron of this here podcast by going to Patreon.com/slash/TheFilmStageShow and getting access to our Slack channel and uh, first crack at all the raffles that we do. And we, of course, are brought to you by MUBI, the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, MUBI premieres a brand new film. It could be a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. Either way, it's guaranteed to be either a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before. 
and there will always be something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected, so you never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. And we have some highlights from there. Uh, it, this is weird because we recorded our last episode on Monday, and it's three days later in recording this one. So all of the stuff that I am aware of is the stuff that we talked about last time. So I'd like to replug Sweetgrass because it sounds incredible. And I love the fact that there is something called the Harvard Sensory Ethnography Lab. Um, that sounds super cool and futuristic and sci-fi. And uh, so, yeah, this is a breathtaking view of the American West, revealing the groundbreaking vision of Lucien Castaing taylor and Elissa Barbash from Harvard Sensory Ethnography Lab. These are the people who made Leviathan. Great movie, I can yeah. say. Yeah, uh, Leviathan. Sweetgrass is or Leviathan. They're both yeah. great. They're both great, yeah. Awesome. And, and Ma- Maka, Maka Namana, uh, which is great. Yeah. But yes. So you can check that out. It is on Mubi now. And you can get, again, a 30-day trial of Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, it is mubi.com slash filmstage. Mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Do it now. And that's that. Um, unless we have anything else to talk about. Uh, we can endeavor to uh, hit Jordan's desired time frame of one hour and uh, begin talking about Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Yeah. Time's I'll just, ticking, I'll, I'll say, man. Uh, movie also has, not to not to plug it too far, but one of the very first episodes you guys ever did, which is Wake and Fright. Back oh, in shit. Days. That's on there right very, now? Yeah. Yeah, very unsettling. Australian that movie fucking or, rules. Yeah. yeah, that movie yeah. Is, is great. That is all. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I don't even think I saw that. Oh, there it is. Wake and Fright. Oh, also A Field in England from Ben Wheatley. Man, movie, this movie, such great stuff. MUBI.com slash filmstage. Was that really one of our first ever episodes? Yeah, I think it's a... I, I just looked it up. I think it's number 24, 26. Whew. 26. Yeah. yeah. October 2012. Good mm. God, man. We've been doing this too long. Well, I've been doing this too long. But anyway, yeah. So go listen to episode 26 and uh, go on movie and see if uh, you agree with our thoughts. Very disconcerting film. Anyway, uh, that is all. And if uh, no one has anything else to add, I believe we can now talk about Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Um, This film by Ryosuku. Oh, fuck. I fucked it up. I've been practicing all day, and I still fucked it up. Ryosuke Hamaguchi. Is that right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Cool. Cool. Nailed it the second time. This film, uh, the newest from writer-director Ryosuke Hamaguchi, and um, this is is out in theaters now, correct? From Film Movement. We had a little plug earlier this uh, this month about it. Yeah, theaters only now. Um, No digital date announced, but I assume that is coming in the future. Yes. So, um, thank you to the 12 people who are still listening now that we've talked about that. And uh, we're super excited to talk about this. And here is the trailer.
All right. Well, yeah, I feel like we don't even have <laughs> to stuff. give any Great. concepts about what, I mean, that's all pretty clear, right? Everyone now knows what the movie's about. Yeah. Got yep. it. Got it. <laughs> What my, isn't this movie about? My favorite goddamn thing about doing this podcast is every time we have a foreign language film and I'm just like, and here's the trailer. And it's like lucky if it's a piece of recognizable classical music. Though I think the best yeah, is still uh, the tribe. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's not. Yeah. There's not a huge score in this movie either. So no. it, it's understandable that the, the trailer itself does not have a huge score. Nope. Um. So this movie is uh, three short stories about, I don't know, I feel like it's trite to say, like, about love, but, like, yeah, you know, about emotional connections between people. Yeah, Let's the, talk about the it. The original, um, yeah, I was going to say the original Japanese title is Coincidence and Imagination, which actually tells you more about the movie, I think, than... Why the, the hell did they change it to title. Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy? <laughs> what it... Because... Like for anyone who didn't pick up on it, the the first music I played to open this is the like 1989 version of the Wheel of Fortune theme song. Um, and yeah, the, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy is a particularly good title for this movie. It was also very confusing for Nick because I said something to him like, "Oh, I have to watch you know Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy for the podcast," and then like. A few minutes later, I'm like, oh, I got Wheel of Time screeners. And he's like, didn't you just say you have to want like he was really <laughs> confused why I kept saying, like, do you want to watch this with me? I'm like, I thought what you, you have to, to watch Wheel a game time. show and and another like, <laughs> thing called fantasy. He was like, why did you? I, I already told you I don't want to watch this movie. And I'm like, I thought you wanted to see the show. And he's like, I said I didn't want to watch this movie. Who's on first? Okay. <laughs> It was very unfortunate. Yes, these this confusion could be a short story in the in the movie. You know, it could be. It could. Yeah, be. then it would go on and on forever. <laughs> oh shit! All right. Well, oh, let's boy. begin as always with our guest, uh, Jordan Raup, our blam. Uh, what did you think? <laughs> the fact, oh, goat blam. Uh, the fact that I yes. realized that benevolent lord and master made the word blam has like been life changing for me. <laughs> Blam! I'm glad, I'm glad. Jordan I, I did get a kick out of it. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I saw this movie back in uh, I guess it was February back in um, the online version of uh, Berlin Film Festival where it premiered. Um, just watched it on at home, obviously, um, at that time, and yeah, and I ended up loving it. Um, I mean, we were right. That was like you know before vaccines were coming out, and it was like uh, just a lovely experience to see a movie with people interacting uh, very playfully and uh, didn't really, I mean, you can kind of, you know, from the start, I had no idea. I didn't, I don't think I even knew it was split in a short story. So um, each moment kind of took me by surprise, like from the get go where you, you're like, Oh, the scene in the car is going to last for 10 minutes. This is great. I love this. And, um, and I think the way, and, and like hinting at what Robin's opinion may be that um, it may feel a little elongated, but I feel like um, Hamaguchi um, is just such a strong writer. Um, there's like a, hum a human uh, kind of, you know, feeling throughout the whole, you know, every kind of line he writes, there's, you kind of believe every moment in his films. Um, like I mentioned before, they're very playful. Um, uh, I had seen, you know, this is his kind of fourth, I would say major film. Um, he made the five hour film ha uh, happy hour uh, a few years back, which was also great. And then kind of flew by. So I was excited to see what he did next. And then, um, Asaka one and two, which is a really fun um, kind of romantic drama. 
and then this film and then um, kind of his biggest film, which is Japan's Oscar entry this year, which comes out uh, later this month, Try My Car's uh, Mirakami adaptation that um, kind of completely different style from this film and uh, really well done. So yeah, um, he's kind of one of the filmmakers on the rise right now. And um, I think, you know, these four movies in a row, he's really hit it out of the park for me. And um, yeah, I mean, we can dive more obviously into each story as uh, we talk, but yeah, on the whole, I, I, um, I love it. I love this film and I, and rewatched it last night just to see if, you know, things held up and, and they did for me. I was still pretty gripped by it. And, um, yeah, I love the, I love the performances. I, I would say to start, I think the second one is my favorite one. Um, but I think number three has a lot of interesting, interesting things going on as well, including the kind of conceit of it. So, uh, yeah, those are my nutshell thoughts. All right. Let's uh, let's go to Robin Barr. Robin, what did you think of Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy? Um, I will say it, this is totally not the film's fault for existing. But... Wow! All right, <laughs> <laughs> holy shit! Um, okay, but I will say just on a personal level, romantic anthologies that typically involve well, romantic anthologies to begin with. And especially those that involve a lot of two-person conversations are my own version of hell. Um, it's, again, not Hamaguchi's fault. <laughs> I think the movie is perfectly fine, um, you know, for what it is. It, it, uh, there's there's a lot of intrigue, certainly. A lot of, um, a lot of detail revealed via dialogue that is not over... Um, it's not over expositional. So I appreciate that. You know, it's almost like a lot of little mysteries that you're putting together as you're trying to figure out like the relationships between the people you're watching on screen and their histories with one another. And so I, I, I did find that interesting, um, but just like on a, on a pure level of, of taste and preference, um, romances are not my favorite thing in the world. And then when you have all these like little interconnected stories, like, like, Chungking Express, for example, like perfectly fine film, but the but the actual structure of the story or the way it's um, put together, it's just like not my personal thing in the way that, you know, Brian doesn't love lesbian mood pieces, um, which is totally fine. That's I feel like thing. I don't know if I love mood pieces in general. I don't think we need to make lesbians a part of this. Okay, but like no. <laughs> like okay, a, a lesbian 19th century drama, whatever it is. Oh yes, those pre-electricity lesbians. You know, I just <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've only seen two out of three of the last ones that came out in the last two years. So okay. maybe Ammonite would be right up my goddamn alley. <laughs> There's another one coming out soon, isn't there? Or am I just still thinking of... They're always coming out. There's a second season of Gentleman Jack that's coming soon. I don't know what that means. Um, Is that about Jack the Ripper? No. Damn. I don't even. Is it, Robin, is this uh, is is this opinion only tied to anthologies? Like, do you like like I'm thinking of like the Before trilogy and things like that? The Before trilogy is just like super not for me. Uh, okay. Anthologies, I would say yes. That like it expands the the genre issue um, because I just don't enjoy that kind of thing. I'm not saying I hate all romances or anything like that. I just I usually uh, that's usually like one of the more difficult genres for me. Um, so, so that's why I'm prefacing, but this by saying like, this is just not a movie that would ever interest me otherwise, but I do appreciate 
what Hamaguchi does with it. Um, I think I want to agree with you, Jordan. I do think the the second um, the second entry was my personal favorite, um, which we can definitely dive into. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, not a not a problem with this movie. It wasn't. I didn't actively dislike it by any means, but it's definitely one that I struggled to get through um, just because of the way it's structured. All right. Bill Graham. Oh God, we've lost. That Bill. would, that oh. would be my cue. Yeah. <laughs> That's you should have began talking then. Yeah. Well, I had to unmute myself cause I was listening to y'all. Um, so I don't know how we're going to talk about these um, because to get into spoilers is like five minutes into these. Um, yeah, literally right after we're all done <laughs> giving our, our nutshell thoughts. I'm going to be like, all right, cool. Spoiler section. So I, I, I will say that I was struck by the first two. Um, I think I watched the third one a little bit later, so I watched this kind of in bits and pieces, especially when I realized that this was, uh, I had to Google it real quick, and I was like, oh, okay, so this third one is the last one, and I was like, okay. (laughs) It's Um, like, I can muscle through it. (laughs) No, no, it it wasn't that bad, but uh, so the first one really, really struck me. Uh, I thought it was very, very interesting how it kind of played with uh, some relationship dynamics, and uh, it it really kind of took me for a spin. Um, I wasn't expecting kind of the jumps that it was making and things like that. And, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, part two, um, was just kind of devastating in a lot of ways. Um, and it was also beautiful as well. So I think those first two are just incredibly well acted. And, uh, the third one uh yeah i like tea so uh that's (laughs) i'm i'm into that one uh i think it's i think it feels lesser than the other two um and i'm curious where everybody kind of landed on it um everybody seems to kind of have their own little little favorite one um which is you know these are always like a litmus test right um Mm -hmm. i think i think the nice thing is that they're all distinct and all different enough that uh someone's going to gravitate towards one versus another um and i think that's that's hard to do uh, with a single writer director or I don't know if uh, he also or they also wrote these. Um, but yes, usually yeah. it's OK. Uh, usually it's it's pretty difficult to, you know, kind of differentiate themselves Um you know, a lot of feature filmmakers get tagged with, you know, being kind of a stylist or something like that. Um, and kind of a reputation follows them around, uh, you know, especially when you go from making a five hour movie to making a sub two hour movie, um, which is in, you know, little pieces. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm very curious to see where everybody lands on this. Uh, I enjoyed my time with this. I definitely would be interested to see what he does with a, uh, a five hour film. Uh, I did hear about happy hour a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, look, I, I, five hours is a lot of, or like happy five hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I just, I would have to watch it in a movie theater 
Um, and I think I missed that opportunity to do that, honestly. Um, you mean to get it done? What? Like, like to, you have to watch it in a theater to, to complete it? Uh, no, yeah. I would have to watch it in a theater to feel like I got a satisfying experience out of it. Because if I watched it at home, I would definitely, like, I could throw my phone across the room and I would still like probably get up and pause it go to the restroom you know do all of those things that you would probably normally do in a five-hour sitting uh while binge watching something on Netflix now I probably you know would try and make sure I'm not on my phone but I just don't know how that experience is going to translate over five hours of uninterrupted time at my house so and I don't have a kid so you know (laughs) It's, I could, I could probably scratch out some time and just be like, leave me the fuck alone. Um, but you know, I, I also, to just your wife. Married. Yeah. I also just got married. <laughs> so I don't know how that would go over. So yeah. Leave me the fuck alone. God damn it. I keep telling you, I'm trying to watch this five hour Japanese epic. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm a hundred percent sure my husband has said those exact words to me because he likes really long meditative Japanese movies that are silent and black and white. So oh, I was about to say he should go watch red cliff, but okay. I was going to say in the realm of the senses, but I've seen that one. That's not, not black long. and white. It's not black. Yeah. I know that's why I was going to say it, but then I didn't, I had, couldn't do it. Anymore. Uh, the human condition nine hours. I mean, I'm a third of the way through that. That's a great Japanese black and white. Film. Not great enough for you to finish Anyways. it in one sitting though. I know. No, no, I can't yell. I can't yell at my one-year-old. Uh, Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I'm trying Bitch. to watch. <laughs> I feel like I've I watched all manner of films when Cora was one, and it was very easy because it was just like, all right, if I put her in a bassinet that's next to whatever I'm sitting on while I'm watching this thing, then you know, basically, I just got a rocker every now and then. I used to podcast. Yeah, and she's watching with you. Yo, yeah, she was in the room when I watched The Handmaiden, which is a thing that, you know, is one of these days she's going to watch Your favorite lesbian mood piece. Oh, my God. No, that's right. That's it. Is that pre-electricity? No, they were in a car. No, it was the Uh, 40s, I think. Yeah, well, you know, that's close enough. I did like that one, though. That one was good. That was a good one. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this movie? My lesbians really do just need like some form of electricity. (laughs) The internal (laughs) combustion engine must be invented for me to like a lesbian movie. Um, I didn't like this that much. And I don't know that it's (laughs) the fault of the movie. Way to come out and say it, man. I just, I, you know, it's like we're trying to keep this to within an hour. Uh, so I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't find myself compelled by this. Um, and a problem with it might not be with it. It might just be with like the situation that we're all in right now, which is that I had to watch this at home. And I've talked before about how like if a movie isn't really grabbing me, it's it's hard not to think about all the other stuff I need to do. Um, you know, like looking down and seeing dog hair on the floor and just being like, ah, oh, shit, I should like vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie is like just that times a thousand i like would be watching this and reading the subtitles and then lose 15 minutes and realize that i was suddenly looking at twitter and i'd have yeah, to like sounds like similar to my experience uh, and so like i had to like go back and like go and like 
it it sucks. Like at a certain point, I like put my phone in a different room so I wouldn't be distracted by that. But just the fact that I was watching it in the middle of the day, it, there's just it, it's it's once again the power of a movie theater is its ability to alienate you from everything else in your life and to remove you from the nagging sense of like responsibility and obligation. Um, and, and I just, I just didn't have that while watching this movie. And so I, I feel like I can't say like, Oh, if I had watched it in a movie theater, it would have been an a plus cause I have watched movies in my home and not had that be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this wasn't one of them. And maybe I would have gained a little more from it had I had that chance, that ability to be cloistered with it, um, held hostage by it. But like, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Like, it just, I just, you know, in it and, but like, yeah, you know, I watched everything. I thought the first one, the first one was like, oh boy, I don't really know if I'm into this. The second one I found a little interesting. And then the third one, I was like, all right, I think I'm done here. <laughs> like, I just, I didn't, I didn't feel particularly captivated by anything. I didn't, I kept thinking like, God, you know, you know what these would be great as is like a short story in the New Yorker, <laughs> you know, that I would read in between doing work and I'd really like, but like, you know, wouldn't be a movie. <laughs> like there's, it's, I don't know how to put it. I just really don't like just as a, as a filmic experience. This didn't arrest me. It didn't hold my attention particularly well. And um, I don't think that it's particularly bad. I just think that to me it wasn't particularly interesting. And I'm not super positive that I got anything from it that I didn't already know or hadn't already thought. And and I just um, I wasn't able to really appreciate anything about it in a in a cinematic sense. Man, that just kept getting worse the more I talked. (laughs) I was trying really hard not to say those things because I didn't want to hurt Jordan's feelings, but I'm kind of with you. No hard feelings. Well, I think the way he writes is not necessarily, I mean, there's not, in any of these stories, there's not really a hook at the start and and the way they kind of unfold some, you know, the surprising and more playful things happen towards the end of each story. So it's not, you know, he kind of settles you into them and then kind of pulls the rug on underneath you out from underneath you um as you know as they go um mm-hmm. i guess we i think we could open it up and talk about each one yeah i think at this point we're, we're down to do spoilers i mean like again it's gonna it's it's hard to be like all right you know non-spoiler section for the first one uh non-spoiler yeah. section for the th- like that would be fucking bananas so yeah. like now nah, let's just yeah. at this point in, yeah, yeah we're gonna jump in we're gonna do this and um so if you have any interest in seeing this and don't want to know the plots of all three of these things, j- stop listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you go, don't care, go then go I'll go keep on it. listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I, I think the production process is interesting too, because he shot the first two in 2019 and then um, the pandemic happened and he shot the, the third one in, um, in July, 2020. And yeah. that's the one that has kind of the, you know, there's more, you know, it's, a, it's technically a sci-fi story because this takes place in, in the future. And, and uh, did that, you know, add anything to that story? Is it like, is it just that it's harder to look people up? Well, I, I mean, yeah, so. I, I mean, it gives more, yeah, it gives more credence to how they wouldn't, um, you know, how, how they wouldn't have known each other at all, and so they 
both mistaken, you know, mistakenly thought they were someone that they knew. So I think that it could have been set in the sense. past. It could have just been set with two people <laughs> who just never became friends on Facebook. Like, I mean, I've talked on this sure. podcast a few times about Paige, well, they, who may or may not exist. Um, yeah, but you yeah. you also looked her up, though. Right? Yeah, but like, I couldn't find so, her. So like, yes, but but let's say you did find her, you didn't have to friend request her, right? Right, but I mean, couldn't you couldn't couldn't you do this whole <laughs> just silently stalk her? Yeah, but couldn't well, like these, yeah. these two people meet and believe they are two other people? Yeah. So like, I, I, I mean, could I, I run into the, a girl yeah. and be like, oh shit. It's you, and she could have a similar situation and be like, oh my god, it's you, but then like, finally I'm like, you're Paige, right? And she's like, oh shit, we've been talking for an hour and you're back at my house, and no, I'm not. I think part of it is also, like, no one knew who was exactly coming, right, to to this reunion, and so when she saw her and thought it was one of her former classmates that's that's kind of the kickoff and that's why they don't even bother like saying saying each other's names you know if if you recognize someone and then you think they recognize you it would be kind of embarrassing to be like i i don't really recognize you you know um but maybe you do and so i don't know like i don't know I, i'm from new york I, so i don't find that embarrassing at all well, and I think too with that story, and we could this would be fun. We could, you want to should we talk about each one in the reverse order because we're already talking about the sure. third one? Yeah, why not? Um, I think the you know it, it adds all these like subtle details to the story by setting it and like having this thing where the you know the world went offline due to computer computer virus and um, you know no one knows if it's going to be permanent or not and and so the um, you know there's parts in the story where like her. The, the woman that she meets and goes to the house, her, that woman's husband, like she mm-hmm. got all of his, her husband's emails saying, talking to his old flame and like, um, but not doing anything with them. But, um, like that, that adds, adds an interesting wrinkle, I think to the story. And, um, and, and I think too, like the, um, just like setting up a world in which they're not, I mean, she has that line where, um, that I love, which I actually wrote down last night as I was watching it, where, you know, they, when they're meeting on the bridge again, she's like, I'm not passionate about anything anymore. Time is slowly killing me. It like sets up this world where without kind of computer interaction or, you know, the, the, the world that we're in now, if we, if we took all that away, like, would our lives be more lonely? Cause we were, we're so programmed to have a life that's like so connected. I just thought it, it brought up like an interesting Well, and I think at that reunion, there's an interesting reaction between like, I guess, what some people would term like the popular girl and uh, one of our main characters. And they have this kind of moment where it seems like the uh, and I'm going to give descriptions instead of naming these people because I don't remember their name. Um, But she kind of invites her to go out and she's like no no i think i'm i'm just gonna go back you know to my hotel and in a lot of ways it seems like the the other girl was trying to make a connection and if she wanted to further that connection you know unless she kind of knows where she lives it's going to be very fucking difficult in this time, right? And I think what's interesting is if if you give people the technology, they start to become complacent with how how monumentally different it is, right? Neither mm-hmm. one of us 
live in the same state. All four of us sitting on this podcast, right? And we're all talking to each other. We all agreed at a certain time we would do this podcast, right? Um, and Though that time did change. <laughs> it changed. <laughs> he he let us know about that change a couple of days ago, but, you know, you didn't get that message. Some of us are busy. Some of us have <laughs> you, lives. You, did, you, oh, okay. I guess I don't have a life. Nope. Uh, but, <laughs> yep, exactly. Just, just only the ultra busy. That's it. That's yeah. the only person that has the life. I'm the only um, one not wasting yeah, my life. <laughs> It's it's interesting because it's like, okay, you know, w- we become complacent with how radical and how different communication is now. And to think about, you know, if that was taken away, especially if that was taken away voluntarily, right? It, it would leave us in a very weird place where we probably would, sh- would struggle and like, to maintain connection with people and feel like everything's like a last ditch effort. Right. And I kind of felt that way with the popular girl trying to ask out this obviously shy woman, like, do you want to come out with us to the after party, which I found hilarious. Like, okay, we, we had this party and then we're going to go have an after. And I was just like, really? Like what's going, why don't you just keep having the party here? But you know, I guess some places just want to shut down. They don't want to be fucking open while these high schoolers talk about their bullshit, but you know, (laughs) yeah, no. Yeah. And and I I agree with that stuff. And I think it's interesting too, like with the, with the concert, he could have clearly gone even more sci-fi and, you know, try to do something that was really radical, but, I was really waiting I mean, to see someone using a telegraph. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, but I, I, also, I just feel like, yeah, keeping it grounded and kind of on a really relatable level makes it kind of more interesting. And obviously like, yes, I would love to see another story set in this world, but it's, it's interesting that we only get this very small sliver of, of a, you know, very small story. But yeah. What were you going to say, Bill? Well, I, I was just going to say, I, I found it interesting that uh, her son is like, upset that she keeps missing the delivery for this anime i guess that he (laughs) ordered and it's just like yeah i just wasn't there so the person didn't deliver it and it's just like fuck man like we're we're at this point now like damn just leave it and yeah and like as she's running out of the door you know if the guy wasn't there she would have just left and the story would have ended and you know i don't know it's the whole movie's kind of built on these kind of interesting coincidences and and things like that which i know the wheel it's not of the fortune. most gripping the wheel of fortune and fantasy <laughs> a wheel exactly there we yeah. go um get that wheel spin yeah, and see what happens yeah do you want to just just go bananas and talk about the first one now why would we talk oh, about wow, the first one? Why, why wouldn't we talk about the second one and re- like move <laughs> exactly? Backwards? That's we're, we're we're bananas. Well, we're let's spin the wheel of fortune and fantasy. <laughs> yeah, what does it land on, Brian? You can tell us. I'm gonna so I'm gonna look up online and see if I can do this. Spin a wheel with a number picker wheel. I'm gonna do one to three. Oh God. Oh, just I, do I the just Google randomizer. And I'm gonna yeah, spin. Gonna All right, it's spinning. Everybody, shut up! It's spinning. Oh my god, it's spinning still. Okay, it's slowing down. All right, everybody get ready. All right, we're talking about number one. Whoa, Jesus. All right, there we go. Bill got Bill got English. <laughs> what? Um, wow, okay. Anyway, this uh, yeah. movement into the first episode is brought to you by pickerwheel.com. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, 
Yeah, this one, I mean, obviously, if you know, not if you didn't know anything about the movie, you know, I, as I was when I watched it for the first time, I was like, okay, where is this going? You, you know, you see this photo shoot, then you see uh, the car ride and you're like, oh, that was an interesting story. I assume we're just going to end things. And then you don't really even know, you know, where she's going at all. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, I thought the conversation in the office was the most interesting, just as kind of, I think Bill and Robin kind of touched on like the relationship dynamics that are brought up. You know, we see, I think it was, um, how many years later was the, I think it's like two years since their relationship ended or something. Yeah. It's been two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the fact that there's still so much pent up (laughs) things to talk about, I guess you could say, um, Mm -hmm. I, I, it is quite interesting. And then obviously I think it really becomes exciting when, um, Hamaguchi does, you know, at the table, um, when he kind of does the fake out where, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you kind of see her kind of reveal things and realize, Oh no, we're not going to do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just really liked, I think like the acting across the board. Um, and I think you guys have talked on the, about the, talked about this on the podcast before where, you know, in, when you're watching an international film, sometimes it's, it's more difficult to kind of discern is this an amazing actor that I'm seeing, or am I just reading the subtitles and focusing sure. on that more? And yeah. is the, is it the writing that's great? But I really do think in, in this movie, like, I don't know. There's just like, they seem so committed to the story and, you know, obviously everything is on a very small scale, but it's, I think it just, you know, there, there wasn't a segment of this movie that I kind of didn't buy um, into. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought this was like a good opener. I thought it kind of like set up the stage for, I think mm-hmm. the second one, which we'll talk about is like the most, you know, has the most twist and turns and is the most kind oh, of yeah. like explicit in some ways and in funny and funny ways to me. No, what? Um, but this one, you think it's the most explicit? <laughs> well, I, I know. I mean, yeah, yeah. It only involves uh, a obviously. five minute scene where someone reads a sex scene from a book. <laughs> I know, I know. Be mean to Jordan. Um, I'm not being um, mean to Jordan. I'm just saying it's like, I feel like of all the things we could all possibly disagree on, which one is the most explicit? I need to find. I need to find a common ground, Brian. So I just want to. I just. I'm glad we all agree. Um, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, that you know, that scene the... did make me think of like that prize for the worst written erotic scene, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was the point, right? Like, in, when she's reading yeah. it, she's both commenting on like the the overall kinkiness of what he's written. But she's also playing a role. Like she's playing somebody who is so turned on by this that she can't help but um, try to seduce him. Like that wasn't her intention. Mm-hmm. Although I think, uh, who knows? We'll talk about what actually ha- is yeah. happening in that scene. But I will say for the for the first one, um, I I kind of knew immediately when we're watching the scene of the two women in the car with that scene that just like goes on for eternity that I was going to struggle (laughs) with this movie just because it feels kind of stagey for me. I don't, I mean, I I don't want to discount like the, the cinematic um, touch of the film. Like I I didn't, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it, but I kind of felt like, I could be watching a, a play right now and it would work in the same way for me. Is, why is that a bad That's thing? That's interesting. Cause it, well, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I guess knowing the scale of the movie and knowing, okay, these are going to be kind of small stories. I was, I, you know, kind of was prepped for, but it is, that is, it is very interesting because his other movies, especially happy hour and drive my car are literally about people putting on performances and plays and you're watching people 
like, you know, you know, go through the process of like rehearsals and things. Um, but that, and it sounds a lot drier than it actually plays out. It's very, it's, I promise <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, but it, Topsy Turvy yeah. so is a great gotta, movie about theater. Yeah. So I'm, you know, not, not Waiting turned off Guffman. by that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that why, is why, why is, why is it feeling stagey a bad thing? Well, I think it really, de- I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but I do always wonder when, when we do have these films where it's just like two people in a room or what have you, you know, I do question like, why am I watching this staged in this way? And why in why in this genre or format, you know, what wouldn't, would this be more dynamic in a theater space if you're not going to take advantage of a more cinematic uh, mise-en-scene? Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's, I, 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 whenever I'm watching anything, I'm like, Oh, what am I getting out of this? And in the case of this movie, I didn't often feel like there was an answer to that. Yeah. But, and then you, you know. could also argue like in the before trilogy, uh, that the settings are incredibly important for the story. So I, you know, even though it's just two people talking, yeah, you could argue that the, the, the sense of place is just as important as like the dialogue that they're having. I never really got a sense. I never really got, um, a, oh, you, you mean, you mean those three movies, like the, the Kevin James vacation movies where it's clear, like, or is it, it's Adam Sandler that like keeps making like these movies in fucking yeah. Hawaii and shit and just like, all right, you just want to be in fucking Hawaii. Oh, they, absolutely. And you know what? I dig those kinds of movies. I haven't seen that trilogy or like whatever. The trip, but, <laughs> the trip to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, I mean, I think. Yeah. The the uh, the think, other Missy like that was kind of a fun movie even though it was really stupid like I don't even sense know of what place that means. is important I don't even want to explain it to you Brian it's some, like we par, some, someone was talking about that right the other oh that is that David Spade yes yeah, yeah. okay yeah it's I not was, a good movie but it's fun I'm a Gucci movie now. yeah <laughs> no, like I think Marvin like, Star like that yeah was I mean yeah. like so thinking about that like you know I recently rewatched before um before sunrise the first one (laughs) um and i i remember being like oh i'm gonna hate this aren't i i spent 60 goddamn dollars on this box set and i'm gonna watch this and be like oh these cringy millennials or not millennials gen z oh gen x baby oh they are gen x yeah Yeah, i'm sorry i forget which like last letter in the alphabet um so yeah these like throw an arrow in the heart of all people born in the 70s but like (laughs) i actually really liked it and i I, what i liked about it was the truth of that kind of like this it, it i think the movie is aware that like they're not having deep conversations but I think that it is aware that those characters are not aware of that. And so it it is that kind of like embarrassed nostalgia. Like any time I think of any conversation that I had in middle and high school where I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Oof. God, the things that I came out of my mouth. Um, and and I just like those characters feel real. And that place and that situation feels so specific. Like I've had. You know, those like, you know, meeting someone on vacation, like suddenly the normal rules that would apply to a social interaction just don't seem to matter. And like and, that and you met them nine years later. And yeah, I mean, classic story. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I don't like 
I, it, it doesn't matter. I was going to say, like, I met a girl at Disneyland once and we spent like an <laughs> it hour doesn't together. Matter. Now, let me tell you. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but like I met a girl at Disneyland once and we spent like an hour together and it was awesome and it was wonderful. And we traded email addresses and like I never really spoke to her. But like yep. I still think about her in that moment. And so, you know, extrapolating that out to Europe, I guess it was Venice, I think it was where they go. And um, doing all that stuff like that's it, it It speaks to you in some way. And I just never like none of the conversations in this movie ever really got me there. Like they were they were not realistic enough to be interesting on a human level. And they were not high minded enough to be like just kind of, oh, tickling me on a philosophical level. They just fell kind of really flat for me. Well, I, I think what's interesting is the uh Gumi who is kind of re retelling this story about their their meeting uh she does like she touches on some things but she doesn't really go into a lot of real real deep detail about some of the stuff they they talked about and and things like that um and so we're not getting it from like an interesting perspective of people talking to each other right? We're getting a secondhand kind of recanting of this. Uh, and I think that kind of leaves it up to the viewer to kind of fill in those blanks. And I think, you know, having watched, you know, the, the before, uh, trilogy or having had your own experiences with some of these kind of, you know, fateful meetings with people, uh, whether it's on vacation, whether it's, you know, a place you never think you will meet someone and you do. And, you know, that kind of ethereal quality of like, you want it to keep going, but you know that maybe it's too good. And so you want to kind of end it as well. Um, you don't want to keep it going until it just like falls apart. Right. There's a certain momentum to some of these meetings and some of these interactions that you can have with people that have their own kind of, you know, trajectory. And yeah, like I said, I understood like where Gumi is like, I didn't want to sleep with him. I didn't want to go to this next level because that could potentially ruin it. Right. And I think, I think that's a beautiful thing that I, I, I really connected with and, and enjoyed hearing about. Um, and then once they go inside and, uh, Mako, Miko, Mako, uh, she kind of confronts her ex and she starts talking about it. And the way that she plays this scene reminded me so much of they just, it seemed to me like they cast her really well because she's got this kind of innocent quality and kind of this really good poker face in a lot of ways where she's not super expressive or reactive to what's going on. And so you, unless she tells you, it's hard to get a read on her. And I can see being in a relationship with someone like that would just be absolutely maddening. And, um, I, I love that when when they have this chat and this talk, it kind of reaches a boiling point and, you know, uh, the the coworker kind of comes in and uh, interrupts them and uh, Mako kind of takes off. And when he goes to chase after her, his 
coworker says something that I thought was kind of like profound was, is that, and you know, of course this isn't a real conversation because as someone's like rushing out the door, you don't ask them like a long winded question, but she's like, (laughs) is that the girl that you were talking about earlier? And he's like, no. And she goes, then why are you chasing her? And it just stops him dead in his tracks. And I was like, that's, like that's beautiful and that's a great way of being like look if you're fucking fixated on somebody like see that through like quit chasing the shiny object and and stick with your gut and kind of stick with it especially when she's kind of of more dull than shiny (laughs) (laughs) sure uh but yeah i I thought i thought that little interaction right at the end really kind of i mean honestly i wish it would have ended there uh i still like where it goes but i thought that was a a perfect way to just kind of end it and just be like no don't don't chase after your ex don't don't chase after the thing that you kind of know and you know you have a lot of experience with and obviously didn't work you know like leave that be leave that in the past yeah that's a great summation, Bill. I actually didn't pick up on it as much as you did, so that's great. Um, the, uh, I, just, I was going to say, too. I, like, oh, sorry, go um, ahead. Oh, I just quickly, hear. I was going to say, you know, he could have, in any of these stories, he could have, like, clearly painted someone to seem a little more crazy or one person being the villain of the story, you know, you know, the antagonist or something. But I think throughout, like, and, and it's, I think this has to do a lot with casting, too, because he's, you know, you're, I mean, at least for me, I was definitely, like, gripped to what everyone was saying. And um, I just think it's really smart the way he kind of, you know, each each of the stories feels like this balancing act and it's kind of ping-ponging back and forth with, you know, what are they going to say next? What are they going to say next? And like how, you know, you know, especially in the first story of um, with so much going back and forth, there's so much history. But yes. Go ahead. Go Robin. ahead, Robin. Robin. Oh, I, I was actually going to kind of say the opposite where I, I felt like she was a villain um, as I, I was, was watching. Yeah, uh, she's a 100% I thinking, a fucking what villain. what a bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, she's a no, terrible she's human being. Evil. <laughs> she's a manipulative, emotionally exploitative... I can't even think of a word strong enough that I won't get canceled for using, so I'm not going to say one. <laughs> yeah, good, I, but I agree. She's a villain and a half. <laughs> like, I didn't I empathize with her, or not empathize, I just didn't sympathize at all because I just kept I didn't empathize with her either. <laughs> You're evil. <laughs> yeah, you're. I don't think you have to cruel. empathize or sympathize with a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just plain up cruel. Yeah. D- does she redeem herself at the end? Though? No. <laughs> no. No. By, By not going with her basest impulses. I yeah. Mean, oh, I yeah. You don't get points true. for acting like a human being. <laughs> like, come on. Like okay. she already kind of dug herself deep with that conversation in the office building. Yeah. Correct. And. Uh, and I by think, everything that showing... she did before that, apparently. Oh, yeah, well, seriously. Sure. The, the the prior relationship. Well, I mean, I think I think what's interesting is you know she clearly feels like she made a mistake, right? Um, and I does she though, or is she manipulating him? No, I'm saying the fact that she walks out of that that uh, tea room or cafe or wherever they're at. Uh, shows that she's like thinks that she made a mistake that she like saw herself out of that situation it was just like you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna further dig my own hole here now the fact that she showed up to that office building to begin with is really fucked up right like yes she she could have 
But, you know, ultimately, I think what's interesting is maybe you kind of play this out. Maybe you, I don't know. I think, I think you can go to that office building and have a conversation with him and just be like, Hey, that's my friend. Just, you know, be careful with her or whatever. Uh, you know, or, you know, I, I don't want to read into what she was thinking by doing that. It definitely seemed like her initial reason to go see him was to kind of poke and prod him. Um, which is, you know, of course that's fucked up, but I do feel like if she recognized who that was, she's going to have to confront that at some point. And I don't know when an appropriate time is to, to approach your ex and be like, Hey, you're dating my best friend. This is awkward. You know? See, I don't read it. I, I don't read the ending of that as like her doing the right thing. I think I read it as her calculating through the situation and realizing that there's no point in doing the the most impulsive thing. First thing. Yeah. Right. I, I feel I like just the better thing would just to be yeah. there and just like not do the like <laughs> there is a middle ground between expressing your love, which probably isn't real, and yep. just walking away without really like giving a good explanation. Like just like, oh shit, I gotta go. Like you could stick around. You could just like I don't know. We're just like stick it out. Like I don't I, know. I, I don't. I, just also the like again. Everything that she did before then was so sociopathic and terrible <laughs> that it's hard to like say like, oh yeah, no, she's totally cool now because she left without like destroying I'm, I'm this not, relationship for these people. I'm not. I'm not giving her a get out of jail card here. I am you saying asked there if she, like, is redeemed herself. And that's kind of like, okay, I put it in that <laughs> language. Fine. If if you feel like that is way too far, okay, fair enough. But I feel like she is doing the best she can with the situation that she put herself into to limit the damage that she's going to do with this potential relationship that they're going to have, right? And I feel like her friend was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I want you to meet him. And she's like, no, I think I should go. And then they, you know, sit down together and she's like, you know, a couple of sentences in and she's like, you know what? I'm out of here. Take care of the check. I I know, you know, the social decorum here. You two are clearly on a date. I'm out of here. Right. And I feel like if you take away if you base it off of what she had previously done, this is an absolute win. Like, I don't see how this isn't an absolute win. Like a person who kills a family of five, but then stops at a stop sign. Like, Oh, <laughs> great. Exactly, that's exactly like that. Well, and the yeah, fact that good it, for it, them. Doesn't, it doesn't, it also doesn't end there. It goes and shows her, you know, by herself and kind of the fact that she's now lost, you know, this person probably it won't be seeing a lot of her friend anymore. If she's deciding to just walk away from the whole situation, mm-hmm. it kind of makes her, you know, it kind of puts her life in a sad place from, you know, mm-hmm. Good. That's the last thing we see. So yeah, fuck her. I, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't agree with this. I mean, I think it's another like rich guy. Pure messiness of relationships when you try to dig back into them and they're clearly done. 
Um, and I thought that aspect of it was handled uh, in a way that wasn't black and white. That's all I'll say. So, yeah. Um, how I I don't I, know how that's not black and white, but okay. <laughs> well, I just mean it's not. It's the. I mean, it's. I don't know the the com- if you know breaking down the actual script, like the conversation they have is not. There, I think there's more nuances to than just her being the, a crazy person. I think it's 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 coming from a realistic place if she's still messed up from the relationship and wants to kind of dig her heels into thing into things. Is she messed up like by the relationship or about the relationship, or is she just seeing somebody else grabbing her like previous favorite Jealousy. toy from the toy box? Yeah, like, yeah. I was I wasn't gonna play with I, it I anymore wonder. until I saw someone else wanting to play with it. Yeah. Well, I think I think if and you know this this relationship clearly affected both of them. Um, I think uh, I think if you're in love with someone, I think at a certain point, like that, that doesn't really just go away. And sometimes you need closure. And I think maybe he got some closure out of that situation because he, you know, got a pretty fucking thorough explanation of like. Uh, the situation unfolded the way it did with her um, and maybe she got a little bit of closure too in that like she realized that maybe it wasn't there anymore or maybe it was just a passing thing um, I don't know it's 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 interesting to think about like what, what those kind of ramifications are because I agree with Jordan like past relationships and like meeting like I'll be very honest. Uh, most of my ex-girlfriends, I have a really good relationship with. And that puts me in a really awkward spot with my wife. And like any, you know, if, if you know, I wasn't married to her or whatever, any, any relationship moving forward, it's always awkward when, you know, you introduce someone and you're like, oh, how'd y'all, how do you know each other? And you're like, we're high school friends and they're like okay cool and you know it's like your your current girlfriend or whatever sees how you interact with that person and sometimes they get a little jealous and sometimes they'll start asking probing questions like did you ever date that person and you know i've definitely had those comments and things like that where it's just like fuck Am, am I just supposed to have terrible relationships and just like fucking, you know, just want to melt down the world because of somebody that I broke up with? No, like, I think it's good to have healthy relationships with your ex-girlfriends. Sometimes. I think the healthiest relationship you can have with an ex is never speaking to them again. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, somewhat in the same boat, but yeah, like, don't. Why the fuck would like it didn't work? Just get away. <laughs> Like I do love stalking my one ex on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I Real think I'm not even like too, I don't think I'm the even American friends with any of my my sister will send me uh, screenshots of my ex wife's Instagram and say what the fuck is she doing or talking about and I will tell her the best part of having gotten divorced is that I don't have to give a shit about her life anymore. I like, I, I in so far as it does not affect my daughter, it does not affect me, and I don't have to care. It's like she, she she could show up to the house missing an arm and covered in like honey and nails and I would just be like okay but are you still cool to watch our daughter while I go see a movie uh, yeah right otherwise Mr. I just cool don't cat. give a fuck there's so 
this I'm not going to say this. This is too much personal stuff uh, for the the mic. Okay, then um, let, me, let me talk. But let I'm gonna. Talk. All right. uh, well, I'll talk to you afterwards, Robin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to prove my point. Uh, but you know, I, I think I think if a relationship is based in friendship, I think that's that's the basis moving forward like i think it's it's very simple like just because you're in not in a romantic relationship with someone doesn't mean that you can't be friends with them so right unless you were already in a romantic relationship with them you can't you don't cut down a tree turn into a boat and then the boat sinks and then you plant the boat like a tree again like that's just not how it works how about you don't tell me how to run my relationships with people Eh. it could be as simple as that (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you're the one who put it out on a podcast as a thing to do. And I would say that in regards to this movie and how we're responding to it, I just don't think that anything that this can, woman is doing do, uh... makes any sense, especially like when you take into account that like <laughs> when you have an ex, it's never going to be simple or good. And you, it's like the more healthy thing if we're trying to like discern what truths this movie might be coming towards is to not maintain any kind of relationship with them, especially moving forward with other romantic entanglements. We can do the film stage show after hours, which is just all straight up like Dr. Uh, what's the guy's name? Dr. Drew. Oh, I thought you were going to say Dr. Phil. <laughs> no, not Dr. Phil. Dr. Ruth. <laughs> Let's yeah. just name all the doctors. Uh, Dr. Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> um, all right. Should we jump into number two? We're, we're, we're Let's, almost uh, Yeah, it's like the, we're on no, the worst one. We got <laughs> to spin the wheel again. To see what we're going to talk about. There's only one left. All right, spinning the wheel. (laughs) Yeah, what if we're not allowed to talk about the second one until we land on it? No, no, we're back on number three, guys. I'm sorry. We got to talk about that one some more. (laughs) What do you think are the the symbolic uh, points that they're making by using the escalator? Okay, good news. I spun it again, and it's on number two. So we can talk about the second one. Thank you, Wheel of Fortune. Um, and fantasy. I love th- th- these are the two best actors in the movie. I just love the professor. His like kind Definitely. of just his monotone, <laughs> that exhausted <laughs> looking. So, yeah, yeah. How he Completely how he goes to, re- to open the door again when you think he's gonna make a move on her. Oh, like, I, I know. know. There's just I, I, wait. I you know. thought he was gonna make a move on her? I thought he was gonna I, close I the door like, so they could. Yeah. Bang. Like, like, no, I, I thought he was. Yeah. He was walking towards her, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna open that fucking door again." Because this guy doesn't give a <laughs> shit about anything. This. <laughs> it was like so clear to me that he was never interested in her in that way. It was like funny to see her keep trying when this guy is like clearly hasn't slept in five days, probably smells <laughs> like cigarettes and coffee, and is like never had a sexual impulse in his life. <laughs> My type. <laughs> yes. um, he might not be thin whole, enough whole, for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this scene cool. is like my version of like a Marvel blockbuster, where it's just every <laughs> every new sentence that unfolds. I'm just like, this is brilliant, and I love how the sexual tension is the cheers. portal in the sky. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just it's great, and even the um. You know, how, you know, you think you think it's done then, and they're like, okay, it's gonna wrap up, and then it's like, did you, you were you recording this, and the whole, you know, how that all unfolds is just, just chef's that's, kiss. That's brilliant. That's fucking heartbreaking. Though. That was funny but as that, hell. Yeah, <laughs> that ending is just, oh my god. Yeah, that, well, yeah, then the jumping five years later, like the, you know, that that takes, you know, I, who would have thought in a three film 
short story anthology that that oh, one of the stories I, would I, jump I, five years later. It's great. An, another another Marvel connection with uh, oh yeah, Endgame five and, years later. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was after the snap had happened, and then everything unsnapped, and now they're back. Um, um the snap the snap in this case being that fucking stupid ass email. Um, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Well, the she first one jumps. She, they they she all clearly, jump a little bit, don't they? She she clearly should have fucking used the audio editor and just given him what he actually wanted instead <laughs> of that whole fucking conversation. Like, wh- what the fuck, lady? I don't know. I put out a podcast that I routinely don't edit at all, so <laughs> I feel like that's the most reasonable thing about Speaking that. Speaking of one. Brian, let's have a talk on it. No, just um, <laughs> You're the one who's been giving me the edit notes. If something gets left no, in, it's your fault. <laughs> I know. I take full Jesus. blame. I will... Uh, I will retire from my position as a uni- as a university professor, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think. Well, it's funny because in that scene, like her, it's, it's her her husband or whatever is rushing into. The, it's like coming to the house, and then she like quickly sends it, and just you yeah. know, out of embarrassment, right? She gets yeah. she gets frazzled, uh, yeah. And she something I would do Sagawa instead of Segawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and wh- and yeah, I don't know. Just fucking, the whole what a what a fucking yeah. dickhole her like <laughs> her little uh what friends with Fuck benefits boy. thing yeah, yeah. Like, i don't even want to call them friends with benefits oh that's right awful to her he, so that not to jump us back to the first one again but there's a point where they're in the, the cab and she's like oh he seems like uh and she keeps like coming up with all these words that aren't what she's looking for and i'm like what you're looking for what you're trying to say is fuckboy. boy <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah no, okay. she's like oh yeah. he seems like a ladies man or like oh, uh, like really okay. well put gotcha. together or something and her friend keeps being like that's not bad though is it and it's like no what i'm trying to say is and i'm just like in the back of the theater screaming fuck boy what you mean to say is he's a fuck boy <laughs> and then we meet another fuck boy in this one and he has uh the worst hair too i mean fuck you yeah. like that hair is terrible but well, i mean in the first sequence or the second sequence um, the guy that she's banging. Yeah, like, yeah but yeah. like five years later, or or oh no, just initially. Oh. Like he is okay. Yeah. Fuck well, boy I think hair. I I think that's that's the whole point, right? Is to give him fuckboy hair. Like yeah, it was just like I'm so too hateable. cool, and like I I'm doing all this work to it, and then it still looks like I just hopped out of the shower. I'm just like really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, whatever she's uh, into it. They, they spend they spend like a a good like thirty seconds on it in this film, and in a short film, when you spend thirty seconds on it, that's like a five minute sequence, you know. So we saw <laughs> we saw him doing his hair for five minutes, and then he comes out, and it still looks like he's got hair to do. Like, get back in there, boy. <laughs> you still got hair to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I I found this interesting because. Um, I I really liked that she is in a position where it feels like everything should get better after this inter- interaction with the professor, right? Like before she sends that email, it seems like this was kind of like an eye-opening experience and I even love that he like says like um 
what is it like therapy isn't a bad thing like it's not not nothing mm-hmm. to be shameful about or, or ashamed about or anything like that and she's like no i'm not ashamed of like what i'm doing i'm just fearful that my husband is gonna find out and it's just like well lady that's still a problem if you know that that affects your you know decision making and everything like that like clearly there's still something wrong there um but yeah i i i feel like they made a connection and as weird as it is it almost seems like not that they have to get together after this because you know clearly they Oh, they he only don't? needs the audio tapes. Yeah, they, yeah. They do this over Zoom. This is a Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I just found like I found it heartbreaking because it seems like she really has like this this connection and really like moves along in her own understanding of herself. Um, he asks questions that are really really interesting in ways that are kind of open-ended and don't let her Mm -hmm. just simply say like a yes or no he's asking like really really insightful like probing questions he's almost doing therapy for her in a way um and i feel like considering where she was like just getting dicked around by this by this fucking like teenage boy and then literally and then after that interaction with the professor i'm like holy shit like her character the way she kind of like even like uh kind of moves around now is it just looks different and it feels different and it feels like something has changed for her and for everything to just fucking unravel after that again I was just like, fuck, like (laughs) what a, what a fucking life changing mistake that was, you know? Yeah. I love how like on the nose her, um, like the advances she makes are where it's like, (laughs) like literally, which is like, I, you know, I often give into my temptations and all that stuff. Like it was Uh just, it was so brazenly outward that, and, and just his reaction throughout the whole thing. (laughs) So placid. And, and, and he, and he, he even like says it, he's like, I thought you were crazy. Like I thought you were (laughs) fucking insane. Like I had no idea why you were talking to me in the manner that you were. Right. That's why I said like when he's going, to that door i'm like right yeah he's probably gonna leave because this broad is just a fucking nightmare to be around i have a question for you all like if you wrote something you know explicit or whatever and what mean, some if? cute girl yeah right <laughs> sorry let's go back to my harry potter fan fiction for a second um if you wrote something like this and a cute person you know conventionally attractive woman reads it aloud to you in this manner would it be a turn on oh or would God, you be okay. like what the fuck i have a full-on answer for you uh from a real life experience the first novel <laughs> oh, i ever wrote the first novel i ever wrote and finished was a i don't want to call it an erotic thriller because that makes it sound like cheap but it was definitely an investigation <laughs> into the personal nature of like sexual morality And it involved a person who got broken up with by their girlfriend and her claim was that he was too much of a prude and left her feeling um, like inadequate. And so his method of dealing with that was to plunge himself into like the the world of like underground kink, most likely through um, like voyeurism, 
like, you know, going and watching couples have sex. And not a memoir. Not a memoir. No, no, this is not something I did. Um, but like, you know, <laughs> it's and famously, famously does not enjoy porn. So Correct. Well, you know, I don't enjoy yeah, porn. But you don't have but... to enjoy porn to enjoy a little bit of voyeurism. Right. So like he goes on but Craigslist and finds. But there is voyeurism finds, in porn. <laughs> No, because porn is performance. There's like, I don't go to a play and be like, oh, I'm such a voyeur right now. <laughs> that's that's not the same You're thing. You're not doing it right, Brian. <laughs> when I saw A Steady Rain with Daniel Craig and Hugh Jackman, I didn't think, ooh, I'm such a voyeur watching these guys with a thousand other people on Broadway. Um, no, but so he's he's going to these places and he's watching these people have sex. And the sex scenes are intercut with like his conception of like what they're doing and what it means and anyway it's long and it's crazy and i ultimately never showed it to a lot of people but one of the people i did show it to was a girl who i was already hooking up with in college and she read it and really liked it and like read a passage to me that she claimed she's like this one like really really turned me on and she read it and i was sitting there and i was fucking you mortified kill yourself saying that i was i was Jesus, i was brian i was goddamn me what was that yeah i don't remember how she put it specifically but, it, but that was the gist of it and she started reading it and i was like i'm not drunk enough for this like this is just i hate this it's like, like this getting a uh, happy birthday sung to you just that level of mortification yeah i'm just like oh well, god like it's it sucks that i wrote that it sucks that you're reading it out loud <laughs> and it sucks that like you claim to like it like everything about this moment is terrible to me so is wow, to, this is the a peak of Brianness. Yeah. So to answer your question, it's not a turn on. I feel like authors don't even like reading their own shit out loud. Having someone else <laughs> read it to you is just like, oh man, like like, yeah, and maybe but, it's just me yeah. because I'm like the classic author who thinks everything he writes is fucking awful. Um, I'm no, still surprised every time I give a written review to Jordan and he doesn't tell me that I'm fired and should kill myself. Like, I think, I think. I, listening to enough Q and A's with people that are actually good at doing Q and A's. Um, like, you know, I think one of the most common things that I hear from creative people is that they all go through a process where they think they're fucking frauds, where mm -hmm. they think they're, they're the worst at their chosen profession that you've ever been and that they're just days away from getting fired and their whole career just falling into a, just a vast pit of nothingness and that is like one of the most common things that i've heard from numerous like very fucking successful people to even people that are like not that good but still go through that same process and mm. you know not that good could mean maybe their fucking thing that they wrote got butchered or whatever but you know um you, you never know how much control some of these people have of the of the end product but yeah i've i've heard that refrain and i mean it even goes back to when you ask an actor or actress or someone that's in a play like do you ever watch your own movies and most of the time they're like that would be terrifying like, yeah doesn't adam no, driver that, doesn't even like well, hearing his own line readings remember that whole yeah. thing with terry gross yeah i, I didn't yeah. hear that yeah. but oh you didn't yeah. You, oh yeah that was like a huge thing he was like oh come and, and on she's, and she's a, she's another one that that is a great interviewer that actually asks like good good questions about 
or with creatives and stuff like that. But yeah, like, well, yeah. well they, I mean, b- book readings from authors are a thing, which I've actually never in my life been to one, but that's the thing that I see in a lot of movies where an author's clearly interested in at least reading their own material to an audience. Every, everything yeah. that ever involves an author at some point, <laughs> they will have to do a reading like new girl right, right. had Nick Miller do a reading. Like Castle <laughs> opens up with him doing a fucking reading. Like it's part of the standard way to PR show, process. Yeah. Well, yeah, it also it's the only way that you're gonna get someone like the actor who you hired to be this charismatic author, like reading their own words, is if you're like, Well, he's gotta do a reading. Otherwise, what are we gonna yeah. do? Just show up. Because most I would page? say most authors don't do like their own audiobooks, right? I don't think I've ever heard of that. So unless uh, it's like a memoir. It's not uh, yeah. Tina. Is would, it Tina Fey? Tina Fey did yeah. her own. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. like. But her, but she's, but she's a she's professional like a, performer. Yeah, and it's a memoir. I, I would fucking like, kill for Cormac McCarthy to do his own audiobook. You really want a professional <laughs> to do an audiobook? Somebody who actually knows how to read lines and perform them and be a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Cormac yeah, McCarthy. I've, I've I've heard really good ones, and I've heard some not so good ones that not read the book and i was just like well this is awful because you're 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 the last bastion in a lot of ways like if i'm relying on an audiobook clearly it's because i i have no desire to read the book and so it's just like fuck if if you're failing then this is just not going to go very well for me um but yeah no I, i i think I think we can put a pin in that conversation. Well, no, Bill, if you wrote something <laughs> sexy and a girl read it to you, would it turn you on? Uh, I I just <laughs> don't know how to feel about that. Like, it, it, it all depends on my relationship with that person and whether they, like, honestly, like, if they think it's hot, then I'll think it's hot because I'm like, okay, I'm into you. And if you get aroused by it, then cool maybe let's explore that like i don't think reading a, a a passage from a book would would like scar me now if they asked me to take a shit on their chest i might i might back away <laughs> i honestly might feel more comfortable with that than them reading my own words don't yuck someone's <laughs> yum bill hey i said me i said me this is about me right and i'm just giving an example of you can yuck someone's think... yum if they're trying to get into a consensual sexual relationship with you because that's how you set boundaries <laughs> exactly first of all i like, i actually hate that phrase so much i'm mostly making fun of it oh okay i'm just okay. making sure because like, like you can't like use hey don't yuck my yum now put this saddle on and get ready like <laughs> you need to respect the the yuck boundaries of your partners <laughs> yeah and like i said i don't think uh reading from a passage of a of a novel or a book that i wrote would uh would cross that line for me i'd just be like you know what i'm not really into this but you're in to this and so i'm into you and so we're good to go no if right? i became like, a published author and i started dating someone they would have to act like i'm not a published author <laughs> <laughs> even if it was children's books i would be like no no we're not reading this to my daughter no this is trash this is fucking awful <laughs> like what are you talking about this is the book you wrote about the lizard that runs an ice cream shop it's like and i'm a hack <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, well, you find them like reading books or her re- reading the book t- to your child at night, and you're like, "No, no, absolutely not." not. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like, 
the power dynamic intrigued me. That's all. What between the the teacher and the yeah and the between author yeah. and audience and who is the real because, author? Because you now? know, well, not just that, but who has the power, mm-hmm. right? Like he's the professor and she's the student, so that's a power dynamic. Well, she's a former she's student. Also a, um, former. She's still a student at the school. Yeah. Yep. So even still, that would be quote unquote frowned upon. So I'm considering her like an enrolled student. Um, but at the same time, I think because she is the being sexually brazen she starts to suck that power from him and then he's the one that's suddenly in her thrall so i just like thought that sort of ping pong was really interesting well there's there's also usually a dynamic of age when it's a student and teacher. yeah age and, definitely and, 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 and male versus not, female and, but she is and, slightly and, older than your average student that, that's what he, i'm saying yeah but she's yeah. probably like 22 I mean, uh, yeah but not, he could be like a real rough 25 like i don't know that guy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> i don't know brian I don't know maybe that we, in your world <laughs> uh you know there are there are certain actors uh certain male actors that you just can't envision being young and uh right wilford brimley just, was 65 for his entire life he is he is 47 years old oh yeah i mean 100 he percent he's not like in his mid-20s i'm just saying like he's so (laughs) haggard in this movie that you could have told me he was like a good 70 or a real bad 30 and i would have believed you either way all right (laughs) well some people some people wear age well i do feel like i'm like slowly turning him into some kind of golem just in the way i'm describing him (laughs) but just got like a a waistcoat made of newspapers i think I think the other thing that's really interesting is a why does he have an open door policy? What do you mean? Well, he, at the beginning, he kind of says, "I mean, when you see the kid um, like crying in front of yeah, him, the fuck which boy. was the hilarious way to open this, I think it's just to say that like, if the door is open, anyone can see what happened, so no one can say that you know he like I harassed him. Or, or, yeah, right. Yeah, and that's no... actually more common now among. Uh, like teachers and stuff. I remember when I was in high school, like I was this and, you know, high school was like 2002 for me or 2003. Um, I remember I had like a sort of decently close relationship with uh, my earth science teacher and, you know, I would like come see him after class and he would get, you know, give me book recommendations. And there was absolutely nothing inappropriate about it, but he was like, we have to keep the door open. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, he was 28. Like he seemed so old to me. And now I'm thinking, well, like, yeah. oh my god, he was only 28. <laughs> he was a baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about like some of my high school teachers that I thought were like so old and so mature, and then I I realize like some of the people that I I go out or not, but uh, I used to go out on like Friday nights. They were mm-hmm. teachers, and like. <laughs> yeah exactly like teachers getting dirty (laughs) yeah i had to i had to like take a a mental step and like take or take a mental step back and i was just like oh you were one of my teachers and i'm just like fuck this is weird because i do not think of you as an adult i think of you as my friend that is my same age and i don't think of myself as an adult and i'm just like and we're teaching kids and i don't know what the fuck's going on anymore so, yeah, I mean, I think, and look, like, as that, the movie that, says, time is slowly killing me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that imposter syndrome 
like bleeds to creatives, but it also bleeds to like you feeling like an adult, right? Like, like there's this idea that you're supposed to have your shit together. And like, I know people still walking around that, like, you know, that have kids that I'm like, holy fuck, like you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Oh my God. I just Googled Mr. Steckle and there's like a picture my teacher from this teacher oh, Mr. Jesus. okay literally and he's in a photo of from the high school giving a lecture on game of thrones it's like this nice. really tracks wow there's like, science oh my God. Well, I, Mr. I, I think i think that's interesting that you you talk about that jordan especially since you're you're in kind of the academic field or like you know catty corner to it um but to me, in a lot of ways, and this is, forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is set in Japan, right? Yeah. Correct. And the way, like, their decorum and their the way that they just kind of, pre- not necessarily present themselves, but I know, like, it's it's kind of an Asian stereotype overall, but I know it's definitely like ingrained in Japan specifically of just like doing the right thing and like and that's not to say that there isn't fucked up shit that happens over there or blah 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 blah, but like they are very much uh like prim and proper and like seeing things a certain way, and so it seems odd to me that he would have this kind of like that that would even be a thing that he would think about, right? Like, oh, this might lead to people thinking that I'm, like, abusive to my students or whatever, right? It just, I don't know, something something about, like, I'm not, I'm not denying that that's, like, something that may happen in academia, like, overall, right? And so maybe it's, it bleeds across countries and stuff like that, where it's just like, hey, you know, it's a really good idea. Just keep that fucking door open. You know, it's just going to limit all sorts of shit. You know, it's, it um, covers your ass. It limits your liability because anyone yeah. who says anything, you could be like, the door is open the whole time. No one said anything. No one heard anything. It makes, it makes all the yeah. sense in the world for me that that would be a thing. If I were a professor, I would do it. Uh, I guess the last thing to talk about here is obviously the ending. And uh, what the fuck was up with that kiss? Just another power grab. fucking dude sucks and she wants to fuck with him. I think that's it. I think that's it. To put it in succinct. She's turning a spin on the Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Yeah, she just wants to give that Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy another spin. <laughs> I, I, I also like, like this fucking asshole. Like, I don't even, I, I can't. I watched this movie earlier today yeah. and I don't even remember how he talked her into doing this stupid thing. Oh, he did. He made her feel, he did. He made her like, no, no, feel like everyone saying, hates you. I, I'm saying he did not talk her into that. Like, that was not a convincing, like, line of dialogue. Well, she like, nothing, did it. Nothing, I, I understand that, but I'm yeah, saying, but I, like, yeah. Like you're asking me how he talked her into it, I have no fucking clue because the words that he said did not convince me that like she would just because she was pushing back against it until the scene cuts and then it's just like okay, I guess they're uh, I, I no the scene cuts when they're he's about to like go down on her I guess and so mm-hmm. I'm just like 
oh, okay, cool. Like, he gives really good head, you're saying. Yeah. That's the reason why she did I, it. I guess. I guess that's the conversation that we didn't see. What what I how I interpret it is that he was manipulating her by saying everyone hates you. You're not in the, the WhatsApp. You're not cool. You're not young like the rest of us. Um, you're just my little side piece or whatever. And he's her side piece, technically. He, technically, yes, but he treats her like his side piece. Like so a slam piece. I think yeah, sure, a slam piece. I mean, but sure. <laughs> so thank you for the semantics of that one. Brian. Not a blam, he, not a blam piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I don't I don't want I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> a benevolent lord and masterpiece. But he's basically like you're a piece of shit no one likes. Um this is how I'm going to get uh, this is how I'm going to like you if you do this for me. Interesting. I, I I do actually retract my statement about every character being very uh not black and white because he was that yeah, guy. He's pretty big, just so. like shitty. Like yeah. him yeah. and psychopath that from the my first job. one. Man. Like like I, I I get him or I don't necessarily get him being like a, a petty asshole, but like, okay, fine. Like he's young, whatever. And then they flash forward five years and he's like, yo, that's crazy what happened. And it's just like, <laughs> that's not a conversation. Like what balls on that? Remember when I talked to you into trying to fuck that professor and like you sent that audio your life? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, that's not like you got you fucking the divorced. Next you probably haven't seen your kid in a while. Like, man. Yeah. And, crazy. And he's just he, fucking gone. No one knows what happened to him. And then he's like, I'm getting married. Like, you right. And, and so he even, she's like, like talks oh. her into congratulating him. Like, well, no, I think she's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell him congratulations and then I'm going to kiss him and I'm going to fuck with his head. Maybe because she, she's now going to, yeah. she's like, I don't even know if she's like running the honey trap on him, but she's definitely like, oh, I've changed my mind. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Here's my card. Kiss, kiss. Bye. And now he's all like, ooh, hey, yeah, that older lady from my uh, class might be down to down to clown again. And um, <laughs> I like how everyone just kind of like half-heartedly chuckled at that. I wasn't half-hearted. Or, well, not half-hearted. Just like, like uh, every one of you laughed with a closed mouth. That's what I meant to say. Just yes. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Down to clown, yes. Um. But yeah, I think she's like, all right, well, if everyone's life got fucked except yours, it's your turn, buddy. Because you know what? The Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, it always comes around. <laughs> keeps on turning. <laughs> that Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy keeps on turning. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. They needed some an artist to record an original song with those lyrics, and that really would have tied the movie together, I think. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of each one, it, yeah. did they play the same like interlude music uh, after each segment? I yeah, it was did. "The Power of Love" by Huey Lewis and the News. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll ask that towards Jordan, I guess. I Bill's gonna so, freak out today. To <laughs> <laughs> I I think they did honestly. I think that they yeah. had like that that same little like you know Goldberg Light variation piano. piano piece kind of thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I noticed, I noticed it in between the second and third one, and like it, it transitioned, and I was like, I recognize this piece of music. I was like, why? And I was like, oh, <laughs> this must be transition music. Okay, all right, that's what yeah. 
plinky yeah. piano. Yep. Yeah. Well, and then um, I, I want to sincerely thank you guys for uh, watching a two-hour movie that I forced upon you and <laughs> invited me to talk about it for two hours. So that's good. I mean, it's it's very well reviewed. I remember uh, Juan yeah. Barquino. I, I do think this should be a tradition of Jordan's pick, and I, I come. Jordan on gets his one pick per year, year and we. What all was your pick out. last year, Jordan? You guys, you didn't discuss it. My, my number one movie of the year last year was Time, Garrett Bradley's Time. Which is oh, I love that. So. I think that ended yeah. up oh, that was that was on your list, one. wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, I think that was my number one yeah. or like top five at least. Still haven't seen that. I did not have the yeah. the, the time for it. Oh, <laughs> it's on Amazon. It's only around 80 minutes or something. So it's oh, not that's like two episodes bad. of Castle. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think most man. other years you guys have discussed my number one of the year and not invited me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, now that Robin's here. <laughs> New tradition. We, oh, yeah. You guys, you guys did discuss Transit, which was my number one a few years back but well yeah now now you for, can I exercise that upon you though you right. all you have to do is you just have to like reach out to us and go blam you're talking about this and then we'll go yes sir okay. right. yes well, next yes, year mr. so far yes uh, mr blam piece <laughs> next year is uh petite maman is my number one so far so i don't know uh, is yeah. that for that 2022 yeah yeah it's yeah it's, they're, um, yeah they're not yeah I definitely I think, didn't love that one. I think for what? our our oh. year end our year end Celine wrap up, Siyama. Oh, this is uh this is the director of the movie about the yes. Burning Woman. Yes. Yeah, more lesbians better, better. from the 18th century or from the 19th century. Wait, or this, no, there's a not, child not in a car. Maman is, but no, no, fortunately <laughs> on fire is that there's no lesbians in Batima Maman. Um, and it's a lovely movie that I cried like a freaking baby at the end. So. Uh, yeah, it's great, and that movie is only seventy something minutes. So, oh, right well, that's, up, uh, that's I like it already. Yeah, it's an hour and twelve minutes long. This is not it's, even a movie. I already know Brian's gonna like it because it's about the power of childhood. Yeah, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan of the the what is the power of childhood mean? Yeah, I don't know. You explain it to me, brother. <laughs> brother, <laughs> it is, I don't even know. <laughs> First of all, Bill, that was an excellent uh, Hulk Hogan. Thank you. Um, I don't know what the you power guys actually, of childhood uh, means. Yeah, you guys, my number two of the year is Undine. Uh, oh, yeah. We Undina. Like <laughs> Undina, which you guys discussed. So there you go. And then and then Worst Person in the World, which is not technically doesn't come out until next year. Uh, you guys will definitely discuss because it is fantastic. So I mean, that's what you said about what this my... movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll but the worst person in the world is much more uh, pal- palatable for anyone, I would say. <laughs> oh, God. The Chronicles of Four Years in the Life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path. Oh, no. Leading her to take a realistic <laughs> look at who she really you. is. This no. sounds like oh, Francis Hobbs. That's going to be Jordan's pick. Hamilton. Get ready. It's also Hamilton. It's we're, crazy. We're trying to get out of here. I, I, yeah, I need meatloaf. Is it? Wait, Brian. Didn't I thought? Have you have you seen Oslo? August thirty first. I have not. No. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason I thought you loved that movie, but I guess not. It's from the same director. So all right, maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I'll like it. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I, it's great. I've invoked the power of Hamilton. Yes. Yeah, so, we all, that only has power if we me. decide to let it have power, and I'm decidedly when? not doing that right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. It is out in theaters now in, in at least New York and L.A. 
And um, I don't know where yeah. anyone else can see it. And I don't know when you'll all be able to see it. But hopefully you, all six of you have enjoyed listening to this podcast. <laughs> if you have any thoughts on The Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, email us at podcastfilmstage.com. And uh, yeah, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. And don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage. That gets you a free 30-day trial of the aforementioned Mubi. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? Pretty sure it's French Dispatch. Well, it's not yeah. going to be next week. Well, when people hear this. Our bill, next episode. Be... <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Our next episode will be on probably the French Dispatch. And um... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the movie. <laughs> all right. Well, that <laughs> sounds good. Um, Which, I was going to. They have another uh, a film stage favorite, right? As the guest, potentially. <laughs> I love how Robin, thinking you meant the movie, went. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Who is the Not guest? Not the guest. Uh, we're still confirming. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and okay. if we don't end up talking about the French Dispatch, we of course will be spending four hours talking about Red Notice. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> that is not a real movie. <laughs> no, it's got three of the biggest actors happening right now. I've heard. I've heard that's fucking terrible. I've heard nothing but bad things. Anyway, so uh, that's all for today. Uh, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears. We begin, of course, with our guest Jordan Rapp. Where can people find ah, your yes. shit on the internet? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, JP Ralph and uh, at the film stage pretty much every day. Cool, cool. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram. And uh, every day I wake up in the morning, I drink tea. All right. Uh, Robin Barr. <laughs> like my husband. Um, you can find me on Twitter, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Uh, you can sometimes find my work at The Hollywood Reporter. I'm also on Letterboxd under basically the same name. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm around. All right. As for me, I can be found online on every social media site uh, of which I am aware and desire to be a part, at Brian J. Rowan. And, um, yeah, what else? My personal site, BrianJerome.com, uh, SchmidtSpirits.com. If you want to hear more about my whiskey, I've got one more event, the Spirits of Southern Maryland, which is happening uh, somewhere. I don't even know. Look it up online, Spirits of Southern Maryland, if you're in the area and want to come and see me and yell at me uh, and drink whiskey. And, of course, you can find... I always find... want to yell at you. Do it. Come on down. Uh, you do you know how freaking... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Robin just comes to my uh, my tent and just, like, takes a drink of whiskey and then laughs with a closed mouth and walks away. It's like, you came You down said from... Robin comes and then hesitated for too many seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was, I was... Well, with the miracle of editing, no one will know what you're talking about. Anyway, let's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course, you can find every episode of this here podcast over at thefilmstage.com and um, all my writing is over at thefilmstage.com as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining and tune in next week. Mm-hmm.